uh, over the past few weeks, I knew that this Sunday was coming up, and it was coming up quick, and I was thinking through in my head, what, what would be a good subject, passage, verse to preach on on Mother's Day? There are so many awesome examples of motherhood in the Bible. We see Eve, the first ever mom in the scriptures, right? And she gave birth to Adam, and though she had her own stumbles along the way, and some pretty big ones at that, she still is the first ever mom in the Bible who we should acknowledge. We see Sarah in the Bible, Abraham's wife. She gave birth at age 100. That's pretty strong, amen? That's worthy of a a sermon on strength. Um, Rebecca, we see that as Jacob and Esau's mom, these twins that had all types of issues. They were struggling and wrestling in the womb. They came out, they were, and, and, and it lasted all of their lives. Uh, we see Rachel, who gave birth to Joseph and Benjamin, carried on the blessing that God spoke over Abraham. We see Jochbed, who is the mother of Moses and Aaron and Miriam, and how God used her to leave a legacy. We, we see Hannah, who Pastor West just spoke about, who gave birth to Samuel this prophet judge we see in the Bible. We see Elizabeth who gave birth to John the Baptizer, right? We know him, the first ever Baptist in the church, right? John the Baptist, and he is a man of God who left a great legacy, and his mom, Elizabeth, was a faithful woman of God. And then we also see Mary in the scriptures as well, the the mom that was selected by God himself to raise his son, Jesus. Out of all those all-star moms in the Bible, I just thought, God, draw my attention where you would want us to go today with our specific church on this specific day. Where, where should we land and where can we learn from today? And God took me to not just one mom, but two moms. Everybody say two moms. Two moms. I, I, I thought we could get a double portion of motherhood today that I think not just the moms in the room can grow and be encouraged and learn from today, but everybody in the room, from those who are youth to those who are older in age, we can look at this story and gain wisdom from it this morning. The book that I want us to look at today is named after a woman in the Bible, and her name is Ruth. Ruth. I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Ruth. It's an Old Testament book. It's just four chapters long. It's not a big book, but it's a powerful book. It's a poetic book. There is no reason to go see a romantic movie tonight. You can just read the book of Ruth and be fine with that. It is a golden book on poetic romantic stories. I believe that if you spend time in this book long enough, you'll fall in love with every character in the book. You'll be encouraged by their stories, by their faith, and by their testimonies. And today, I'd like for us to look at these moms specifically in this book. There's actually two of them, Naomi and Ruth. Naomi and Ruth. The title of my message today, if I were to give it a title, is Leaving Legacies That Go Beyond Me. Leaving Legacies That Don't Just Stop At You, But Continue On in life, leaving legacies that go beyond me. Father God, I pray right now in Jesus' name as we unfold your word, as we look to the book of Ruth, God, encourage all the moms in the room. And at the very same time, God, encourage and challenge and strengthen everybody in the room. God, you've told us that in your word, in your scriptures, that we can be complete. That in your word, we can find everything we need for this life. That in your word, we can be built up, encouraged, strengthened, challenged, equipped, nurtured through your 
word. So God, speak to us right now. Everybody, if you believe it, just say, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. I ask you to speak through me, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. I want to go ahead and just set the stage for the book of Ruth for you uh, briefly. It's a short book in the Bible that comes right after the book of Judges. So in the beginning, right, you see this book in the Bible called Genesis where God lays out his creation and then he moves on and moves forward into the, the, the Moses books, um, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, these Old Testament books that reveal the law. Um, and then we see the books continue on as uh, Joshua takes the law of Moses and continues to bring it into the promised land, right? And so now God is using these men of God to continue to speak to his people through these men of God and these prophets. Yet people continue to do things their own way. They don't listen. They don't agree. They don't follow. It's a bad relationship with the father because he's just lovingly saying, if you just would listen to me, you'd do all right. If you just trust me, if you just would, would, would take a step and follow me, you'll make it. And yet, the more disobedient we become, the longer it takes to see what God would want us to do. And so finally, we get to the book of Judges, and we see that the book of Judges ends with this one verse, and we see it here on the screen, Judges 21, verse 25, and here's what the text says. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I want us to just go ahead and land there just for a second because I want you to know that the book of Ruth comes at a fitting place in history. A timely moment in history where everybody on the planet seems to have to say, I got it figured out. We don't need God. We can do it on our own. We got this situation handled. I think I got it figured out. But the Bible also tells us that type of thinking is a recipe for destruction. We see that in the wisdom book of Proverbs Chapter 12, verse 15 says it like this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. It says, if you really want to be foolish, reject God's word and say, I'm smart enough to do it. That is the definition of pride. The prideful person says, I don't need help. I don't need wisdom. I don't need advice. I'm smart enough on my own the Proverbs would say that would be a foolish way of thinking. Proverbs 14 verse 12 goes a step deeper and says, there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I look at these verses in humility, here's what I say. I say I need to be informed by God. I don't want to even test the waters by myself. I don't want to ever go into life thinking that, you know what, I got it figured out. I got it right in my own eyes. I want to test even my thinking. I want to test the things that are going into my heart and mind, whether it's on TV or social media or newspapers. I want to go ahead and test that by the word and make sure that my ways are lining up with his ways because he says those ways are good. So we continue to see in this book, that's where we leave off in Judges chapter 21. Is that everybody was without a king, without a ruler, without wisdom. They were doing things in their own ways. And then we come upon this amazing book of Ruth. There's a few things that I want us to see in this book of Ruth that I believe that we can gain from today. Let's go ahead and start out by reading the first five verses together. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. If you're ready, say ready. ready. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land... 
And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahalon and Chilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, the text says. And she was left with her two sons, verse 4. These two Moabite wives, the name of one was Orpah, not Oprah. And the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about 10 years. And both Mahalon and Chilion died. So that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. I want to give you just four points today on what it looks like to leave a legacy that goes beyond you that we can draw from the book of Ruth. The first thing that I want to highlight is this. Persevere when life gets hard. Persevere, another word for endure, stay the course, stay, stay in the game, don't check out, don't quit. Persevere when life gets hard. Everybody say when. Not if, right? When life gets hard. I can guarantee you that each person in the room can probably point to a, a moment in their life where it just was hard. Some of you are in a hard moment in your life. Some of you are there right now and you need these words. Persevere when life gets hard. How do you know that Naomi, right? This is before we, we learn much about Ruth. We we learn about Naomi. This could very easily be titled the book of Naomi. But we see her here in a season that is just hard. How do you know? Well, let me give you a few takeaways why this was a hard season. The first one is that they were in a famine. They were in a famine. Now, this may be a word that we don't relate to primarily because we don't relate to it. There are times where we say erroneous statements like, man, I'm starving. But you ain't really starving. I mean, maybe you are, and I don't want to devalue that if that's your story today and you're here. We got a food pantry that we do here. We'd love to help you with that. But a famine is when there's no food in the land, right? It's, it's beyond digging through garbage cans. There's just nothing there. Remember that this was a season in Israel, in the history of this city and state, that people were disobedient and tried to do it their own way. And in doing so, they were left with a famine. God said, you do it your own way. You provide your own crops. You provide your own rain. God's like, I make it rain. Like, you need me. I bring the sun up. I bring the moon up. I do all that. You have no part in that. I make the grass grow. I provide the, the, the food. I do all that. Like, you're a sub part of the story. Don't think too highly of yourself this morning. Let's think highly of him, amen? Like, He's, he's giving us breath to breathe right now. A famine hits the hometown land. And what happens is this Jewish woman, Ruth, married to this Jewish man, Elimelech, says, man, we can't live here any longer. We won't survive. So let's take our two sons and let's go move to a foreign land, a foreign culture called Moab. Everybody say Moab. Moab. Someone say, that's a bad idea a bad idea. Why why is that a bad idea? Well, because God has always had trouble with Moab. The the origins of the Moabites is found in the book of Genesis chapter 19 with a man named Lot who chose to be disobedient to God, who took his daughter as a wife and then started the Moabite clan. 
And so, you move somewhere, but don't move to the Moabites, brother. But word on the street is there's food there. So Elimelech, in a, in a state of desperation, says, Ruth, sons, let's move to Moab, follow the leader, and let's see what happens. They were there for 10 years. So they're in a foreign city, worshiping foreign gods, pagan idolatry. They're not seen as this is hometown. And they're raising a family here. And mind you, there's already been a famine. And the next thing that we read about is Elimelech dies. Right? Elimelech dies. And here we see now Naomi's husband is dead. So she's, here's, here she is. Now she's a single mom. She's raising her two boys. She's in a foreign land culture. And here's what the, the two boys decide to do. They say, hey, mom, you know what? I know how you raised us. But there's these two shorties over there that are Moabite women. And we want to get down with them. And so next thing you know, right, we see these two sons take wives for themselves. One takes a wife named Ruth, this Moabite woman. Another takes a wife named Orpah, another Moabite woman. And we fast forward. This is five heavy verses of scripture, church. Within these five verses, we see famine, a move to a foreign culture with foreign gods, a husband dies, and next thing you know, the two husbands die. The two sons of Naomi die. And here she is now. Every man that she's ever loved died. Her sons died. Her husband died. And she's left with two Moabite daughter-in-laws in Moab, thinking, how did I even get here? Happy Mother's Day to Naomi, right? <laughs> two Moabite daughter-in-laws. I want to preach a word to somebody who's in a difficult season today. Persevere when life gets hard. That's a biblical principle that Naomi lived out as a mom. Not just a mom of two sons that passed away, but a mom even of two daughter-in-laws who she wasn't even in common with. We get to learn from them today. In the book of James, we see the author James write this in this letter. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Hear this, church family. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. If you're in a test right now, this test can become your testimony, right? If you're in a test right now, God is trying to produce something in you that he couldn't produce lest it were to come through this trial. That's where you're at today. It's producing perseverance. So let, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God is saying, hey, I want you to grow in maturity. I want you to be complete. How many of you know that God doesn't want you to lack in this life? He doesn't. That's a word from his word. And in, in, in order for him to do certain things in your life, you've got to go through hard seasons in life so that you can go into a season of persevering and progressing. James chapter 1 verse 2 tells us that moms leave a legacy when they don't quit when life gets hard. Hear that. All right? Moms, you'll leave a legacy. Dads, you'll leave a legacy. Children, you'll leave a legacy if you don't quit when life gets hard, because it will. Amen. I promise you that 
it will. That's the first point. Don't quit when life gets hard. Persevere through that time and trust God. The second point that I want to highlight comes as we continue reading now in verse 6 through 8. So let's continue in the Ruth narrative. So what happens next? She realizes her husband and her sons are dead. She's there with her two Moabite daughters. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and then they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go! Return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Here's what he's saying here on this text right here that I think it'd be good for us to learn from. Right? So Naomi realizes that she's in a state of struggle. She realizes that she's got nothing left in Moab. And she overhears while she's doing work in the fields of Moab. She overhears, you know what? The Lord has visited his people in Judah. And she realizes, I'm going back home. Why am I still here? What am I doing? She says, I can go back home. God is faithful. There, there may be a chance. She says, I was down, but I wasn't out. And there may be a chance of redemption for me. I want to say something really quick to somebody in the room today. Make your next move your best move. I don't know what your next move is. But maybe have a time of self-reflection, turn your phone off, don't ask nobody at first, just say, you know what, God, what's my next move? I don't want to do what I want to do, that got me in trouble, I want to do what you want me to do. Listen to that voice, listen to his word, and do it. Naomi gets to a place here where she says, you know what, I'm going back home, I'm not even from Moab. I got to do what I got to do. And so here's what she does. She looks at her daughters-in-law and she encourages them. You know what? Hey, we've had a good time. You know, it's, we got to connect. It's been real, but uh, I got to go. So you guys, y'all stay here. Y'all from Moab. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to keep rolling. You guys can come if you want, but don't feel like you have to. Three times, Naomi says, just stay. It's all good. Let's see what happens next. Verse 14 through 16, we, we see what happens. It says, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her lowercase g gods. Return after your sister-in-law. That's what she says to her daughter-in-law, Ruth. But Ruth said... Do not urge me to leave you, to return from following you, she says. Look at these poetic words in scripture today. She says, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. Mic drop right? When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. The second point that I want to give to us today, how we can learn about leaving a legacy that goes beyond me, is to stop focusing on what you don't have and start focusing on what you do have. So the cup is either half empty or half full, amen? 
But as long as you got Jesus in the game, it's always full. Because he's never out of the fight. He's always got something up his sleeve. He's always ready to redeem and move in our lives if we allow him to. Right? And in this case, Naomi, she figures it out. Hey, I got, I got life left in me. I got to go back home. And Orpah says, you know what? You know what? You got it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. I'm going to go. And, and Ruth says, I'm going to cling to you. I see life with you. I see vision with you. I see God that's better than my gods with you. I see truth with you. I see legacy with you. See, Naomi must have left an imprint on Ruth in order for her to respond that way, amen? I mean, it wasn't anything weird at all. It was just this reality. This, Naomi was two times the age of Ruth. Yet Ruth says, I'm going with you. And nothing's gonna separate me from you except death. A lot of times we hear these verses pulled out in weddings. I know for me, I have a wedding ring that my wife gave me that has these verses inscribed on them. They're powerful wedding verses. I believe that these are verses that are, are big time words, but have you ever heard those words shared out to a mother or father-in-law at the wedding? It's usually like, hey, I'll go with you. I'll die with you. I'll, you'll, your God will be my God. I'll serve you. But when do you ever see that toward like the mother-in-law? That's what's happening here. What a deep relationship. What a profound effect this mom, Naomi, had on Ruth, her daughter-in-law, who was a Moabite, a Gentile. Didn't even come from the same background. Her, her sons died, and she must have loved these two women powerfully. Ruth says, I'm going with you. On the other hand, I almost said Oprah. Orpah, Orpah says, I'm separating myself from you. And there's a principle, a reality statement that I want to highlight for somebody in the room today. Are you guys ready for it? If you're ready, stay ready. I want to give you a reality statement. Maybe you should write it down, take a picture of the screen, do whatever you got to do with it. I'll read it to you off the screen. Reality statement number one. When God moves someone out of your life, let them go. We've got a couple claps in the room. I needed to preach that to myself. When God says, you know what? I'm moving somebody out of your life right now. Let me give you three words of instruction from God's word. Let them go. Look at the person next to you and say, let them go. One more time, say, let them go. When, when God says, you know what? Your, your time in the story is over. Let them go. See, Orpah, right, it doesn't make her a bad person. It just means that her time in the story's done. And sometimes God is trying to move us into a new season, into our destiny, and he needs to remove people in our lives that don't need to go into that destiny with us. And so Ruth and Naomi aren't able to go into the season that God has for them if they bring this person who's trying to separate from them. Right? I love Naomi's response. Nothing. <laughs> go. She doesn't run after her and say, wait. She doesn't text her and say, well, hold up. She doesn't say, well, let me give you some money. She doesn't say, she doesn't go, she just, right? Just go. When God moves somebody out of your life, let them go. You don't need to be holding on to things that aren't holding on to you, right? God is trying to detach things that, are, that maybe once were joined to you but are not joined to you anymore, and you need to be able to release those things into his trust and his care. Let them go. 
and trust that God has everything that you need in moving forward, not looking backwards and moving forward to what he has for you. This is not just an Old Testament principle. I love the story. In Jesus, he ministers to the rich young ruler. And this young man shows up and he says, Jesus, I want eternal life. What do I have to do? Jesus gives him the instruction. The young man turns around and walks away sadly. Do you see Jesus go, well, does Jesus change the deal? He's like, well, maybe not everything. Maybe I'll change it up for you. Jesus says, hey, it's your call, man. It's your call. We see Paul, he has, he has an encounter with a guy named Demas in the New Testament. Demas says, I'm leaving you, Paul, to go join the world. Paul says, well, hey, man, I, I hate it for you. You, you. you ruin your life doing it, but let him go. Let him go. Maybe they'll come back. But it's not going to be your job to always do that. So I, I want to just, before we move past that, if there's something that you're holding on to, a person, a relationship, doesn't mean that the person's bad. It just means that God is calling you into a new season. And if you stay in that same place, you may not ever get to where God wants to take you. And that's something that I need to hear in my own life. And I hope that you would learn from Naomi today as well. So she says, Ruth, let's go. Here we go. Let's go ahead and look into Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Let's continue to make our way through this text. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Everybody say, what's up, Bo? And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. I like that greeting. Maybe we should do that. Next time I see you, I'm like, Tony, the Lord be with you. And just say, Lord bless you. It's a good church line, all right? <laughs> Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young men who were in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? <laughs> I love it, right? Ruth is now just kind of gardening in Israel. And Boaz turns his head and he says, whoa, man, <laughs> who is that? I need her name and her number, even though they didn't have phones at the time. And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is a young Moabite woman, a.k.a. <laughs> you don't want that, bro. You're Boaz. You're a man of prestige. You're a Israeli Jewish man of honor. You might not want to be interested in this Moabite who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Let's go ahead and continue in the text to see what happens. Ruth chapter two, verse 10 through 14. We see some cool moves made in this place right now. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, Boaz. Since I'm a foreigner, why do you even notice me? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. Somebody say, reputation matters. Reputation matters. 
and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before, the Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This is a whole lot of grace. In the Old Testament, this is a type of Christ. This is a picture of the church, Gentile, sinful people, Jesus, the King of Kings, talking to the church, loving on the church, Jesus walking amongst sinful leopards, people that have all types of problems, and Jesus saying, let's do it. Come under the wings of the reckless love of God. We see that here. So she says, I've found favor in your eyes. My Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at the mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. The first date, right? (laughs) Sat beside the reapers and he passed her her roasted grain. She ate until she was satisfied. Somebody say satisfied. And she had some left over. The third point that I want to highlight And this is always be ready for your appointment. Always be ready for your appointment. See, I'm a a firm believer as I read the Bible and the longer I go through life, I see this true in my own life. It's another reality statement. Check it out. Write it down. Nothing happens by accident. Everything happens by appointment. Amen? How, How could it be that God in his sovereignty, moves this mother and daughter-in-law back home after 10 years, and it just so happens that Boaz happened to be in the garden that day. Nothing just so happens. Everything happens by appointment. We believe in a sovereign, holy, righteous, intentional, Moment by moment, so specific God, he knows everything. Abraham Kuyper says that there is not a square inch on this entire universe that Jesus Christ doesn't look at and say, mine, mine, right? And this is an example of that. This is an example of God knowing exactly what he's doing, knowing exactly what time it is, the season of life. And God says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a connection here, and it's going to be a picture of the gospel, Right? In this case, Naomi is a picture of Israel, God's chosen servant, God's chosen people. And, and Ruth is a picture of the church, right? Oftentimes, Gentile people that are outside of the chosen people of God, yet grafted and folded in to have a relationship with the Redeemer. Boaz is a type of Christ here, a type of Christ that says, though you're a foreigner, though you're not like me, though you're sinful, Though you have a past as long as this track, I want you. I want you. It's an appointment that God had set in place in eternity past for this moment right now. And I want to remind you that God has appointments in your life. If you can put on the God goggles and be able to see, you know what, is this an appointment for me right now? I remember driving down the street right here on Spencer Street, and I was prayer driving. Some of you guys have heard of prayer walking. You need to invest in prayer driving. Turn the music off. Turn the worship music off. And do some prayer driving. Maybe you're driving home from work. Why don't you just start praying for all your coworkers? Start praying for all your clients. What a commute that you could use to be powerful in the kingdom. 
I remember I was prayer driving and this was a season in life where it was August of 2015. We were a month away from this church launching publicly and we didn't have a location. So we had all of our print material ready. We had everything set. We had, we had a Facebook ads ready to say post. We had um, the, 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 the printing companies ready to say print. We had all of that done. We just didn't have a location to put on all the graphic designs and logos and, and, and posters and things like that because everywhere I went was a no. It's like, hey, would you let our church meet here? I'm sorry, no. Real estate options. Oh, you guys are a church? No. Couldn't get a call back. Couldn't get anybody to entertain any type of rhythm of a church meeting there. And one day I was driving down this road and I said, Lord, you got to give me some wisdom here because we're a month away and we've been telling everybody about this public launch of our church, but we don't have anywhere to meet. And then God spoke it to me. As I drove by Schofield, he said, why don't you, why don't you go back to the school you grew up in? And so I hit an illegal U-turn. I mean, I, mean, I, I did a U-turn, right? <laughs> and I pulled in the parking lot and I said, Lord, I need an appointment. I need you to make a way. I remember walking into this school, the same walkway that you guys walked in. And right as I walked in, there was a lady walking right toward me. And she looks right at me and she says, are you a new teacher here at Schofield? And I was like, yep, <laughs> I'm a teacher of the Bible here at Schofield. No, I didn't, no, I didn't say that. I should have. That, that would have been cool if I would have said that. I didn't, have, I didn't have that scripted at the time. That just came to me. Um, but I told her, I said, sorry, I'm not a new teacher here at the school, but I am a pastor in the city and our church is looking for a place to meet at. And we would love to meet here. And it'd be a blessing to the school. It'd be a blessing to us. And as I was talking, I was already turning my shoulder because I already knew it was a ye of little faith. Me, right? Totally. And her, lady, her, her name is Miss Roxanne. And she goes, she goes, well, hey, I'm Roxanne. I'm the lead custodian here at Schofield. Let me show you around and let's see if we can find a place for y'all to meet. I said, wow, this is incredible. Really? And she walked me over to the theater and she said, how does this look? And I said, show me where to sign. I just needed somebody to say yes, amen? And so she goes, well, that's the first step. You gotta go into the office from here and the administration, we'll see if she's able to help you out and we'll see if there's something that the principal can do for you. And so I walk into the office and right there meets me, the assistant principal. And here's the first word she says to me. She goes, hey, I know that you wanna meet here but it's not gonna happen unless the custodian says okay first. Come on, right? <laughs> I love it. I said, you talking about Roxanne? That's my, that's my friend. She's, and Roxanne pokes her head in and says, all good, right? And I guess she was like, here's the paperwork, right? Friends, Roxanne is here today. She, she has been an amazing help to our church, but that was an appointment by God that was set in eternity past because we've seen teachers come to know Jesus. We've seen people get connected. We've seen, we were here doing a cookout at Schofield this past Friday for Teacher Appreciation Week, getting to just chop it up with all the 75, 80 administrators and teachers here at Schofield. We started a food pantry out of this school. We painted these back, I'm looking around here. We, we have tra helped transform this place and it continues to develop and God has been so faithful, but it was because of that appointment with the custodian, amen? that we've been able to do so much. And that's two and a half years ago. And today I'm reminded to not miss my appointment. Nothing happens by accident. 
And here's why this is important for you to understand. Because even your struggles and trials are not by accident. Don't look at God and shake your fist at him when you're going through a hard time when he's trying to move you to Israel using the hard time. Like, God is, God is ruining things in your life to take you into a season that's so much better if you would see it for that. God is a God of appointments. Sometimes the appointments don't look like you thought they would look. But God's taking you somewhere in that season if you can hang on. Nothing happens by accident. Everything happens by appointment. We're almost done here. Let me go ahead and move us into the last point. Let's go ahead and continue to read into Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat from the word one more time. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you. Come on, that's the evidence of a good mom, right? That's the evidence of a mom who persevered through struggle, through trial, through heartache, through death, loved her daughter-in-law, her daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons. Talk about unconditional love. Has given birth to him. And then Naomi took the child laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse. Watch this. The father of David. Now, these are generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron, and Hezron fathered Ram, and Ram fathered Aminadab. Anybody getting some good name ideas? Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Come on, Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. Jesse fathered David. The king of Israel would soon come out of a relationship with a Moabite woman, a widow, and a man who gave her a chance named Boaz. What a picture of God's grace. The last point of this story that I would close with is this. It's never too late for redemption to take place. It's never too late for God to intervene in your life and redeem things. I'll tell you what, Naomi had our, all her cards folded. You should, I encourage you, we didn't have time to read through the whole book, but in chapters two and three, Naomi is pleading with the Lord. Naomi says, change my name, God. Just call me bitter. I, just, I, I don't even want you to, I, I, I'm so broken. She looks at Ruth, she looks at Orpah and says, look, y'all don't want me. Y'all don't need this old lady. I can't have a baby. I can't, I, I can't raise up sons for you to marry again. You, I'm, I'm done. My, my window is closing. And God says, that's somebody who I can use to bring the king from. Wow. I want to remind you this morning, moms in the room, it's never too late for God to bring redemption into your life in any specific way that he wants. I love how David Platt says it. 
when speaking on the subject of Ruth. He says, in the moments when God may seem farthest from you, hear this, he may be actually be setting the stage for the greatest displays of his faithfulness to you. And in your suffering, God may actually be plotting for your satisfaction. That God may have in mind something bigger for you than you have for yourself. John Piper says that the story of Ruth, friends, the story of Ruth was written to give us encouragement and hope that all the perplexing turns in our lives are going somewhere good. Amen? All these turns that you, you just don't get it, you don't figure out, why was that person even in my life? Why did, why did God even have that appointment for me? I don't understand it yet. Maybe you don't yet, but maybe you don't need to yet. They don't lead off a cliff, friend. And all the setbacks of our lives as believers, God is plotting for our joy, friend. He's doing that for our joy. Mom's in the room. Let's walk through these one more time before we go. The first one, to leaving a legacy that goes beyond you. Persevere when life gets hard. Go through the hard seasons of life. Maybe it might come next year. I love how my brother Rick Strasser always encourages me from FCA. He says, we're either in a storm, you're either coming out of a storm, or you're going into a storm. You're in one of those three places. Persevere in those times and tell the storm how big your God is. He's a redeemer. He's in control. Number two, stop focusing on what you don't have. Start focusing on what you do. Naomi realized, I still got breath to breathe. I still got a hometown. I still got God. He'll take care of me. I got a daughter-in-law that loves me. She'll come with me. I can't worry about the past. I got to let go of who I need to let go of so that I can move into the destiny that God has for me. Point number three, always be ready for your appointment. It just so happened that Boaz was gardening that day too. God may have the, the right person in your life. Be open to it. Be ready for it. Be looking for it. God is a God of appointments. Point number four, it's never too late for redemption to take place. I'll close with the reminder that in the book of Matthew, Ruth is only mentioned one time in the New Testament. The Moabite woman is mentioned one time in the New Testament. It's in the genealogy of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, in Mary's lineage, Joseph's lineage, we see the testimony of Jesus' lineage go back to a moment where this man, Boaz, gave birth to this young boy tied to Ruth, the Moabite. Isn't it just like God to send Naomi and Elimelech to a city to bring Ruth back? Blows my mind. The su some people have the nerve to say, why would God do something in Las Vegas, the city of sin? You're talking about the greatest city in the whole world right now. We live in the greatest city in the world, a global city, and God is doing something here. Be encouraged, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, family. God is not done. Leave a legacy that goes beyond you. Let's pray.